Good morning. I remember the first time that I was punched in the stomach as a pastor. The first gut punch occurred when a friend of mine changed churches. Early on as a pastor, there was an older divorced lady at church that I got along with really well. Uh, you know how there are some personalities that uh, you just get along with and you click instantly with, and you just like friends, right? Well, she was one of them, and I really enjoyed interacting with her. Uh, I loved to help her mow her yard regularly because she was physically incapable of doing so. Uh, I helped her get some benevolence when she needed it at a time or two. I remember a time she needed a recommendation for a new job at the uh, local library that she was looking to get into. Uh, she was someone that I had invested time and energy in as a pastor, and then all of a sudden, totally and unannounced, she began to attend elsewhere. She started going to another local church in our small community there in Kansas, and I was shocked. I couldn't point to any performance failure on my part. There were no unmet expectations that I was aware of. It just came out of nowhere. Uh, the pastor at the other church was a godly man. Uh, he was a solid Bible teacher. Uh, he was a new pastor to the community, uh, but he was also a more experienced pastor than I was as well. Uh, and at the time, it made no sense to me whatsoever as to why she would leave our church and start going to another church. Uh, she had been a member at our church for years. She had actually even been the secretary before I was there. Uh, she had been there for a long time, gone through many ups and downs in life. And when she started attending the other church, I felt like I was being unfollowed, and it was hard, and I had no idea why. I tried my best to not let it affect me too much, uh, but it came back to the surface a little bit anytime I would see her at the library or out in public. What about you? H have you ever been unfollowed? Uh, has a child of yours uh, stopped going in the way that they should go? Uh, do they believe differently than you now? Uh, maybe somebody else is influencing their life uh, more than you as their parent are influencing them? Uh, maybe at work, uh, maybe you can remember a time when a coworker left and uh, they didn't just leave the company, they actually went to another place of influence within the company under somebody else's sphere of influence and now they have unfollowed you to follow somebody else within the company. Have you ever had the experience that a, a friend of yours has chosen somebody else? I'm not talking about a betrayal. That's a little bit different. I'm talking about being unfollowed. I'm talking about someone preferring someone else other than you. Being unfollowed can really, really hurt, can it? Uh, it can wreck your confidence. It can make you jealous. It, it might even cause you to go to some other uh, church, or it might, it might cause you to go to some crutch that you go to all the time, or uh, it might make you uh, go to some addiction to make yourself feel better. You may be completely innocent 
for being unfollowed. And then you've got to deal with it, right? Well, how should we respond? Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John and chapter 3. The Gospel of John and chapter 3. Today we are in part 4 in our series titled The Voice. Uh, Three weeks ago we considered the moment that John the Baptist identified the long-awaited Messiah figure, the Christ, and uh, he saw the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus and remain on Jesus, and he started telling people that this is the guy who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. It was the pinnacle of John's life. It was the top of his career. John was on a roll. The next day, he he started changing his preaching. He started preaching that this guy is the man that he had seen, and he started testifying to everyone that Jesus is the chosen one of God. And then, on the day after that, This happened in John chapter 1. Listen with me. It says in verse 35, Again, the next day, John was standing there with two of his disciples, gazing at Jesus as he walked by. He said, Look, the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Jesus turned around and saw them following and said to them, What do you want? So they said to him, Rabbi, which is translated teacher, where are you staying? Jesus answered, come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day. Now it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Did you hear that? John the Baptist began to be unfollowed. Uh, he had been preaching and teaching and baptizing and fending off all these uh, temple officials that were coming out to uh, ask him questions. And then all of a sudden, two of his disciples began to follow Jesus instead. Uh, Andrew and another guy heard John point out that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And so they went from following John to following Jesus. That was their choice. Read with me, beginning in verse 23 of John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse 23. It says, after this, Jesus and his disciples came into the Judean territory, and there he spent time with them and was baptizing. John was also baptizing at Anon uh, near Salim because water was plentiful there and people were coming to him and being baptized. Okay, you got the image here? Uh, John is baptizing people and Jesus' disciples are baptizing people, okay? There's two groups baptizing people in Judea at the same time concurrently, okay? Uh, Look with me at verse 25. It says, Now a dispute came about between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew concerning ceremonial washing. So they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the one who was with you on the other side of the Jordan River about whom you testified, see, he is baptizing and everyone is flocking to him. Did you hear that? Everyone is flocking to Jesus. Uh, You can almost hear John's uh, disciples say to him, Hey, John, you're the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Hey, John, you're the guy who invented baptism. Hey, John, everyone is flocking to Jesus now. What are we going to do? 
Now, let's assume for a second that uh, you didn't know anything about Jesus' ministry. You didn't know about any of his miracles. You didn't know that he died and rose again and then ascended into heaven. Okay, let's imagine you don't know any of that because it hasn't happened yet, okay? Now, if you're John, how would you respond? Think about it. You're in the prime of your life. You're in your mid-30s, right? You've got a lot of years ahead of you to be great. Your parents are priests. You're the son of the famous Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, your birth was a special birth. Remember, your mom was barren. She was old, and God answered her prayer for her child, and you're that child. Not only that, but your call in the wilderness was a great call. No one had heard the word of the Lord for 400 years when God commissioned you. Not only that, but you're the guy who invented baptism. Your ministry was great. Mark 1 says that people from the whole Judean countryside and all of Jerusalem were going out to him and he was baptizing them in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. You're holding revival meetings. Your ministry is great. A lot of people went out to him and I mean a lot. In fact, they had to travel a whole day just to find you in some random place in the wilderness and then they would have to be there with you and then turn around and go back another whole day's journey to go back home. This was a three-day mini vacation at the minimum to go see you. People were coming out in droves to see John. They were stopping their lives to come see him. And if you're John the Baptist, that's telling you your ministry is great. Plus, you're the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Now, imagine for a second, and I don't think John ever did this, but imagine for a second, be able to walk around saying, hey, you see your Hebrew Bible? Uh, yeah, guess what? It talks about me personally, by name. Does that do that for you? No, I didn't think so, right? Simmer down now. I'm important. Listen to me. Even Zacharias said, you will be great. You will be called the prophet of the Most High. His own father thought John the Baptist was going to be great. Not only that, but there was a great angel that was a famous angel of the Old Testament. Gabriel said that John will be great in the sight of the Lord. And this guy, Jesus, what does he say about John? He says, John is more than a prophet. There's prophets, and then here's John, right? He's more than a prophet. He goes on to say, this is Jesus saying, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. This guy is great. Not only that, but the nation of Israel is the most godly nation on earth. And John, he's the most godly person in Israel. So what's that make John? He's the most godly person on the planet. John had every right to be proud. Hey, John, we got a problem here. Everyone's flogging to Jesus. You're getting unfollowed. When they follow Jesus, they unfollow John. 
Do you remember the last time you were unfollowed? We all have an appetite, don't we, to be known. We all want our renown to increase. We all have a built-in competitor in us that wants to be more known than the next person. We all want people to recommend us as important and as a valuable person in society. Perhaps you want to be recognized because of your wealth. Uh, Maybe you want to be recognized because of your power and authority in society. Maybe you want to be more famous than the next person because of your musical skills. Maybe you want to be recognized because of your great looks. Maybe you want more likes and shares than other people on social media. Maybe you want that YouTube channel that everybody goes to. Maybe you want your marriage to be the the model for everybody else. Maybe you want to be known as a great parent. Have you ever secretly compared your kids to other people's kids and sort of just judged those other people? We all have an appetite to be known for some reason or another, right? We all want to be, we want our renown to increase. It's inevitable that eventually we'll compare ourselves to somebody else in the area that we want to be best at. Preachers go through this just as much as anybody else. Right? We're human. Uh, it's easy for us to get competitive. Uh, we don't want to be unfollowed, especially by people you've loved and cared for and invested in time with. What happens when our renown gets eclipsed by others? How should we respond? How should we respond when we get unfollowed? Well, let's look at our Bibles and see how John responds. In verse 27, John replies to his disciples, and he says this. He says, No one can receive anything unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but rather I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands by and listens to him rejoices greatly when he hears the bridegroom's voice. This then is my joy, and it is complete. He must become more important while I become less important. Now, there's a number of reasons why I believe John remained humble and happy despite all the reasons he had to be proud. He is the happy Baptist. Um, what was it, though? What was it about John when he was tempted to be jealous that he could say, he must become more important while I must become less important? As great as he is, how in the world can he say it is necessary that he increase and I decrease? And by the way, he's not just like saluting the office of Messiah, okay? He's legit happy uh, that the the followers uh, that used to be following him are now going to Jesus. And Jesus' followers, the number and the crowds there has eclipsed his followers, 
right? He's happy that Jesus' disciples are baptizing many more people. And in order to make his point, uh, I love the fact that he uses this illustration from Jewish weddings, okay? Uh, John compares himself to the best man uh, of the groom. Uh, The best man had several responsibilities in the ancient Near East, uh, but there was one responsibility that was more important than all of the other responsibilities. On the final night of the wedding celebrations, on the final night, the best man was required uh, to stand by guard uh, by the tent where the bride would be waiting for her brand new husband to come to her for the first night. And because it was dark out, uh, and because the best man knew the groom's voice, uh, he had to stand guard and wait for the groom to come. And when the groom came, he would recognize the groom's voice, and the best man was the last guy to see the groom before the groom uh, went in to consummate the marriage for the first time. John's saying, I'm just the best man. I am happy for the groom's marriage to start. I'm happy for him. He's getting ready to enjoy his bride, right? No wonder he's saying, this completes my joy. He's the happy Baptist. Now, why in the world was he so humble when he had every right to be proud? And I mean every right to be proud. Well, there's a number of reasons why I believe he remained humble and happy despite all the reasons. Uh, First of all, his identity came from God, not his work. His identity came from God, not his work. He didn't measure his success by how big the crowds were, right? He measured his success by what God thought of him. That's what was important to him. He didn't look at his status as the first prophet in 400 years as something to flaunt. Uh, He saw it as a gracious and merciful gift from God, an assignment from the Lord that he just needed to fulfill as the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. And he was welcoming to that. He just wanted to be defined by God more than his own abilities to define himself. God knows John by name, and that made all the difference for him. He was content with that. Today, when we center our identity on God's view of us rather than our work or our fame, it'll help us rest from the drive to just compete at all costs for ourselves, and and you'll be more okay when people then unfollow you. Uh, The second reason John was humble is because Uh, He had a unique trust in the greatness of God's plan for his life. In John 3, in verse 27, John replied, No one can receive anything unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Christ, but rather I have been sent before him. Okay, where do you think he learned that? I think he got it probably from his parents. Right? They totally understood how generous God was when, they, when he finally answered their prayers for a child. And, and, and they t- totally understood God's sovereignty and finally selecting Zechariah to go into the, to the holy place to pray uh, before he retired. Uh, it wasn't anything that they deserved, and yet there was God answering their prayers. 
That was God's generosity and sovereignty. And, and when you grow up seeing your parents believe that way, you begin to believe that way, and, you, and John's began to understand and know and believe in God's great generous plan for his own life, and whatever it could be. And so he began to appreciate God's view of what he was going to do. Uh, plus, John knew that God's plan for him uh, was to just be the forerunner of the long-awaited Messiah. He understood it was not God's plan to just be the Messiah, right? He trusted God's plan. He was, he was okay with it, and he was okay with God being in charge of that plan as well. What was he going to do, right? Hey, God, uh, do you think maybe I could be the Messiah instead? I don't want to play second fiddle. Can I, can I be the number one man, right? He didn't do that, right? He trusted in his important role. It was important. It wasn't as important as the Messiah, but he trusted God's plan, and he stuck with it, and he became okay when people unfollowed him. The third reason, the third reason John was humble was because he was filled with the Holy Spirit from before birth, okay? Do you remember what the angel Gabriel said to Zechariah? He said, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from before his birth. Uh, even from the womb, right? John was leaping at the sound of Jesus' mother's voice. Now, because John's life was so spirit-driven, he totally wanted Jesus' success because the Holy Spirit wanted all of Jesus' success as well. And so when you and I, when we're living spirit-filled lives, uh, we're going to want Jesus' renown to eclipse our own, just like the Holy Spirit was all about making Jesus famous, okay? The fourth reason was he recognized that Christ's greatness far eclipsed his own rank in this world. Jesus' parents were greater than John's parents, John's parents, they were both priests from the priestly line. Jesus' parents, they were from the royal line of David. Uh, Jesus' birth was an even more special birth than John's. John's was an important one. I mean, my goodness, an old lady had a baby. Wow, that's amazing. But whoa, Jesus' birth, that was from a virgin who had conceived and had never been with a man. Can you believe that? That's amazing. It was a greater birth. Not only that, but Jesus' call was greater than John's call. Uh, Jesus' baptism was greater than John's baptism. John himself admits, I baptize with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is what John said to Jesus. John admitted, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. He understood Jesus' baptism was greater than his. Uh, not only that, but Jesus' ministry was greater than John's ministry. John's ministry just lasts a couple years. We hardly ever talk about John the Baptist, right? But Jesus' ministry is still going on even today. John's ministry only had preaching and baptism. Jesus' ministry had preaching, baptism, miracles, resurrections, saving the world, right? Not only that, but the Old Testament prophecies of Jesus are greater than the prophecies of John. John's mentioned twice in the Old Testament. Jesus is the focus of the whole Old Testament. 
Jesus' father is greater and spoke greater. He said, you are my beloved son in whom I take great pleasure. Many, many angels were part of Jesus' birth and they sang about it. Not only that, but Jesus even claims to be greater. He said, before Abraham existed, I existed. But here's a real kicker. John realized that Jesus is God. Before anybody else, before he realized it maybe even completely himself, he spoke better than he knew. He kept saying to people, I'm not able to touch this guy's feet. I can't even untie the straps of a sandal or touch them. He's so great in rank because he existed before me. Jesus is God. Even though John had every right to be proud, he wasn't. He was humble. John really truly delighted in Jesus' arrival because he truly delighted in God himself. Look, when you get to the point in your life that you really truly believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is so much greater and awesomer and fully God and he's the one who this whole world is looking forward to being rescued by, not only will you trust Jesus as your Savior, plus you'll make his views about everything in your life and every opinion that you have greater than your own views. And on top of that, you'll keep pointing people to follow Jesus. If you want to be free yourself from pride, the kind of sinful pride that believes and hopes and wishes and centers your identity on being better or richer or more famous or more important or more powerful than all the other people on the planet, then you need to have a bigger view of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the more we view God's the Son, the more we behold Him, the more we see we don't compare, and the more we realize Others don't compare, and the whole comparison trap gets exposed for what it really is, right? It's just vanity. It's just chasing after the wind. Unless we realize that Jesus Christ is fully God, we're not going to get to a place where we can confidently say, like John, it is necessary that he increase and I decrease. He must become more important while I become less important. We won't get there. Christ's awesomeness, when it's rightly perceived by us, has the uncanny ability to remind us that we're not very awesome. We're not really great in this world. Christ's greatness, Christ's awesomeness is gloriously pride deflating. And if you get this like John got this, when people unfollow you, you're going to be able to handle it. And if they're following Jesus, you'll be happy just like John was. So here's what this might look like in a few areas of your life. If you're a parent, uh, it's really easy to believe the myth that you're the child's ultimate authority, like they need to respect you like they respect God. Look, I'm all for children obeying and honoring their parents. But parents should never believe they're in the place of God in their kids' lives. We're not God. Like John, you have to admit to yourself, I am not the Christ. 
You need to teach your kids. They need to follow Jesus Christ. If something happens to you, if your health fails or your marriage dissolves or whatever, if, if they're following Christ now, they'll keep following Jesus when you or anybody else in your family lets them down. As a parent, your number one job is to point your kids to follow Jesus more than they are to follow you. Uh, did you know that the number one reason young adults who are considering going into full-time ministry, either as a missionary or into some other local church ministry, the number one reason more young adults don't do that is because their parents want some other plan for them instead of God's plan for them to go into ministry. Husbands, don't for a minute think it's your job to get your wife to follow you. Your job is to help your wife follow Jesus. <laughs> Point them to Jesus' greatness, not your own greatness in your life. They know that you're not that great. <laughs> Look, if you're at work and you want recognition for how great you are at your job and how other people should be appreciating your contribution in the company, I want to encourage you to make Christ greater and speak more of him than of your own abilities and of your own mastery of your own job. Point your coworkers to follow Jesus. Do your best work, but always point to Jesus. Help them follow him. Uh, when I'm at the hospital as a chaplain and I have to, uh, I will gladly pray with the patients there getting care, uh, they oftentimes will thank me for praying. And it would be really great to say, I'm some great guy, I'm some great prayer person, but it's not about me. And so I always tell them, don't thank me. You need to thank the Lord when he answers. Uh, it's not about my ability to pray. It's not about my greatness. It's about Jesus' greatness. He's greater. I'm far lesser. In God's kind plan, the lady who had left my church to attend another church in town after a few years, she came back. It was awesome. It wasn't awesome because I viewed her like she was some prodigal who had gone astray, right? She wasn't mine. She was the Lord's. It was awesome when she came back, though, because she was more like Christ. Uh, she was following Jesus in ways that she hadn't been following him before. She was more at rest. She was trusting in the Lord more. Uh, she told me that she left because she couldn't deal with all the hurt that she was feeling in her own life. Her own adult daughter and, uh, took the grandkids and left the area without saying a thing and uh, stopped all contact with her, and uh, she had been unfollowed. There was a long-term estrangement between her and her daughter and her grandkids. It was inexplicable why she was abandoned as a parent. It wasn't her fault. She hadn't done anything wrong as a mom or a grandmother. Uh, come to find out her daughter suddenly got into a polygamous relationship and, and up and moved and she didn't want to contact her mom and it totally put her mom into a tailspin. 
And in a small town, uh, when something scandalous like that happens, it's super embarrassing. And so my friend went to the other church. And guess what? Uh, the other pastor had gone through a similar estrangement experience where one of his kids had inexplicably deserted him and his wife without contact. He was unfollowed. And God used that other pastor to, the, to point her, uh, my friend, to Jesus more than I could because he had a similar experience of being unfollowed. Uh, eventually, that other pastor uh, got another position elsewhere, and uh, that's when my friend eventually returned back to our church, uh, much more closer to Jesus and far more at rest than when she had left. Uh, even to this day, every once in a while, uh, she and I will still text each other. Eventually, her daughter contacted her, and she handled it beautifully. She didn't get nasty for being unfollowed and uncontacted for a long period of time because she had been given a greatness, uh, a glimpse of God's greatness, of Christ's greatness. And I'm so glad that she's still following Jesus, and that's, that's all that matters. And that's all I want for you as well. But if I hadn't learned the lesson that John the Baptist learned, I too could have been all hurt and offended and I would have never been welcoming and would have never been able to find out how much further down the line my friend was in her followership of the Lord Jesus Christ. He must increase. I must decrease. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I want to thank you so much for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, you are far greater than any one of us here, Lord. Anytime we go through a time of struggle and temptation and hurt because somebody unfollows us and follows another, help us to remember John the Baptist. Help us to handle it like he handled it, humbly, caringly about what you and your purposes are. Lord, we don't know what you want for other people. We don't know what you want for our children. We don't know what you want for our spouses. We don't know what you want for the other people that we work with. But I pray that we want them to follow you more, Lord Jesus. Help us as a church when people unfollow this church, Lord, to celebrate if they are following Jesus elsewhere. Help us to be open about that with you. Any of the challenges that might go on, help us to re uh, focus who you are, Lord Jesus, how great you are, so much so that we handle it when we get unfollowed. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.